On the show this week, my guest is Adam Piplicker, intriguingly known as the Singing Paraplanner. We talk about how Adam set up the Magical Penny blog, how he's training to be a financial advisor, and the Money Life Live event he hosted, which aims to keep finance simple. Welcome to episode 169 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh, helping you keep your marketing strategy simple and the BS at bay. Hey folks, and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thanks, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. You know I really do appreciate you taking the time to plug me and my guests into your earphones. Thanks for those of you who wrote to me last week asking what had happened to the podcast. Well, I just took a week off. I was on holiday in Muscat, in Amman. It was very hot, and I'm back now and fired up and ready to bring you some more interviews. And this week is an absolute belter. Adam Piplick has an incredible story and is intriguingly known as the singing paraplanner. We chat about why jargon confuses potential customers, why Adam set up his blog, The Magical Penny, Adam's transition from blogger to financial planner, how Adam became the singing paraplanner, why he hosted his own live financial services event, and whether Adam would run another conference and what he would change as a result. So let's get straight into that interview with Adam right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Adam, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Great to be talking with you. Adam, tell me, where are we video conferencing each other from? I'm in sunny Leeds. It's been a beautiful day today and uh, in Kirkstall, so I can not quite see the historic ruins of Kirk's Abbey from my room, but it's a nice place to be. Wow. Do you know that brings back memories immediately? Because uh, I went to Leeds University many, many years ago, um, probably more years than I care to rem- remember, but I always remember one incredibly hot summer day taking a, a load of beers in the ice cooler down to that expanse of greenery that is down by Kirkstall Abbey and basically sat there all afternoon drinking beer in the sun. That's one of the wow. great <laughs> memories I've always always have of Leeds University. That's that's fascinating. I've not been back for ages, but funnily enough, um, some colleagues of mine are arranging a sort of mastermind get-together for marketing people, and that's going to be in Leeds in, in May. So I am actually coming back to Leeds for the first time in about 10 years soon. So that's such a coincidence. Adam, it's great. Great to have you on the show, and we've got quite a lot of things to talk about today. You, If you look at your Twitter handle, for example, you describe yourself as the singing paraplanner, so I certainly want to learn about that, but you've also got a money blog, which is called Magical Penny, and you've also run a live event, Money Life Live, in the past as well. So I'd like to find out a little bit about what makes you tick and and what gave you the idea to come up with the blog and the live event. <laughs> well, I often wondered that myself. I started Magical Penny. That's probably the the big, big start of my story mm-hmm. because I was just out of university. I was actually at university and I was fantasizing about all this money that I was going to make when I finally had a job. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously as a poor student, and I decided to um, to start learning about investing because it, it was something that I 
just seemed completely alien as a concept. My my parents never really talked about money growing up. And this stock market thing was just ticking along in the background. And you'd, you'd hear things on the news about investing and the FTSE and all these terms. And I just started getting curious about it. And I, I started researching um, just stocks and shares and ISAs and what it all meant. And all ready for when I got my graduate job and I'd start investing. And so I started trying to learn to invest. And a lot of the information that I could find online was very focused on America. Mm. And, um, it doesn't always translate um, in terms of how I was going to invest as a as a British guy. So I started learning and researching and I got lots of investment prospectuses. Um, my postman wasn't very happy. <laughs> I had so many envelopes and marketing materials and I leafed my way through them. And eventually I started investing and it was just about autumn 2007. So we all know what happened just as I started investing, <laughs> big financial crisis. And I, I pretty much started investing at the peak and mm-hmm. I didn't have much and I knew that I had to just keep investing as the market declined. But it certainly was a baptism of fire. And and I was getting quite excited about it. And I was telling my friends what I was doing. And they were quite skeptical about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, as you'd understand, if on the news, you just hear a lot of doom and gloom and, and things. But as, as I developed more confidence over the, the next couple of years, I thought, I need to show my friends how to do this. So I decided to set up magicalpenny.com as a, a blog where I just write about my own experiences and encourage other people to start learning about investing and the stock market and make it less of an alien concept. And did you start the with the idea of trying to make it simple? Because again, I think you're absolutely right with the combination of the, what the media says about investments and what product providers say about investments and what you can find on the internet it, it can be quite bewildering can't it? And, and and a lot of there's a lot of jargon and a lot of um tech talk yeah. um financial services love acronyms oh yes <laughs> <laughs> so many acronyms and and also just i just didn't find that the i felt i felt like i knew a lot of the of the of the ten, uh, the technical terms but i ended up becoming an expert in american things i knew about 401ks and roth iras which are american retirement vehicles mm-hmm. um, and when i came to just something simple like i was looking for uh, an index fund um, which i'd heard a lot about how it's low cost and it tracks an index and i couldn't find i, I kept on searching these fund supermarkets as they were called for index funds and something as simple as that i couldn't find and it turns out in a, in england certainly at 10 years ago a lot of them were just called tracker funds yes. rather than index funds but just that one word meant that when I was searching for different things to invest in, I I got stuck and hung up. So that's why I thought there's definitely an opportunity here. And I could see my American friends getting um, their blogs um, quite popular and people were searching and looking for this information. I thought, well, there must be something that I can do in the UK. So that's how I started. And um, within three months, I was writing for um, MSN Money and other big online publications. And because what I did was, which I'm sure um, people who are interested in finance and marketing as people listening to this show, it's all about the hook, isn't it? It's all Mm. about something like an idea that's a little bit out of the ordinary that just makes people a little bit more curious. So I tried to find, use metaphors and things. One of my most popular things, uh, articles in the early days was when I compared how Subway sandwiches and how Subway as a brand gets people to take extra cheese on their on their subway sandwiches yes 
encourages people to to go for the extra cheese. And then I converted that in terms of how to encourage people to invest. Like you make it automatic. And just like in Subway, they ask, do you want cheese? Like and with, an, with a tone of voice, it's, of course you want cheese. You're not going to turn it down. <laughs> so just, just little things like that just um, piqued people's interest. And I tried to just make things a little bit more interesting because I, I thought it really was interesting, but I needed to, sometimes people just need the, a push in the right direction to, to get interested in this, in this kind of things. You've really hit upon a couple of really important things there. I was very interested by the fact that you said that initially there was a little bit of confusion in your mind as to the difference between a tracker and an index. And of course, ultimately the same thing but it just goes to show that somebody coming out of university learning about a market like this is finding some of the terms that we live with day by day you know nobody would ever think that anybody doesn't know what a tracker is seriously you don't know what a tracker is but it's one of the things that I always say to my clients when I'm talking to them about marketing you've got to assume that the client knows absolutely nothing and it doesn't matter whether you're a financial advisor it doesn't matter if you're a car mechanic it doesn't matter whether you're a florist or a fitness instructor there's going to be words and jargon that you live with day by day that you know what it means but the man on the street your potential customer has no idea and you've got to you've got to assume that they know nothing and talk to them as if they know nothing and if you talk to them as if they know nothing then you'll probably find it's much easier to communicate with them and i think that that's an interesting lesson that you learned right from the start and of course secondly metaphors and stories is a great way to turn what can be quite dull industries into slightly more interesting ones i do laugh uh, when i see all the metaphors though in the in the financial press all the the different um spices um <laughs> food metaphors that have to come up on the front pages of the <laughs> of the magazines i read and um so you can overdo it <laughs> how did the magical penny develop then was was it ever something you turned into a money-making venture? Was it monetized? Or was it purely just a, a way of creating a profile for yourself? Well, Magical Penny as a blog actually started making money within three months, wow. um, which I was pretty happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, this was 2010, so it was a, a less crowded sector in a way. And it, essentially, um, it was people wanting to um, have guest posts and other links and articles in the early days quite a lot of australian insurance companies um were my main clients which i think is rather funny because obviously we're we're both english-speaking markets and uh it just developed from there so a lot of uh, different people would approach me and ask me to to write for them and um in link to their um products or services and it wasn't really on an on an affiliate basis i didn't get paid for trying to sell someone a certain product or or service in terms of them signing up and clicking mm-hmm. they mostly were doing it as a search engine optimization approach right. because as i as i built my links in some would say legitimately through people finding my content and enjoying it and wanting to share it there was other brands with big pockets who didn't necessarily have the the time or the or they didn't have to essentially get people to link to them on goodwill they they thought they could pay websites and bloggers to link to them mm-hmm. so that was that was the way that it started making money but i knew that that wasn't really a sustainable business model in a way and i had all my readers asking me questions all the time saying 
what would you do with um, with this? This is my situation, or I find this article interesting, but what about this? And there's always lots of different angles and everyone thinks they're unique. Yeah. <laughs> um, and often people, they are, and there are different considerations. And when you're writing um, for the web, you do have to add lots of caveats and you have to make it general. You can't be too specific. And that was um, a cause that, prompted people to to ask me for the specific things. And I kept on saying to them, well, I'm not a financial advisor, but here's what I did. And I'm not a financial advisor, but but maybe you could consider these things. And after saying I'm not a financial advisor um, <laughs> for too many times, I ended up going to a financial blogging conference yeah. in America called FinCon. Yeah. And I went in 2012 and I met a lot of bloggers like me who were just in their bedrooms sharing what they've learned. But I also met financial advisors and financial planners who were doing what I was doing, but they could not only monetize in the same way that I was monetizing, but they could also take someone's hand, a reader's hand, and they could become a client and actually give them the specific regulated proper advice that they were looking for mm -hmm. so that inspired me to to progress from just writing about money and to actually learning properly not just from my own experiences but from textbooks and i it was actually five years to, to the day yesterday that i went into a financial advisor's office and they told me about the route to become a financial advisor and i ordered my first textbook um, of the uh, the CII, the Chartered Insurance Institute, yeah. as a finance society, and started learning properly <laughs> um, to 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 move move my career from market research, which is what I was doing as my day job. So I was looking at numbers and finding the story within the numbers, um, to looking at numbers, but the numbers really matter because they're people's finances, they're mm -hmm. people's livelihoods, they're people's life savings. Um, so I really wanted to transition away from from market research to financial planning as a career and i felt like i'd got my feet wet in terms of writing about money topics mm. but i wanted to do it properly and take people on to the next level it's quite an interesting route that you've taken adam isn't it because generally you would expect somebody to become for example a financial advisor first and then they may wake up one morning and think do you know what i'm a financial a financial advisor i should start a financial advice blog but effectively you started a money blog and it was doing the blog that gave you the created the ambition for you to actually become a financial advisor so you've actually done it a different way to the way that I would have thought most people would have arrived at a finance blog. The number of people who've told me that they fell into financial planning or being a financial advisor and then either transitioned out of it or found a different approach to it. And I thought, it, I thought, I didn't realize I was so unique. I, when I actually went and strived to become a financial planner and it was, a, it was difficult. It wasn't, I wouldn't say that it was an easy transition at all. I had to contact loads of financial advisors and I had my marketing experience. I'd, I'd built this blog. I had quantitative experience in my day job. And I found it very difficult. Many financial advisors and other places weren't hiring at the time. It was, this was 2013 about time. So there was still a lot of um, financial insecurity with the, the credit crunch and all that. And a lot of the big banks had, had stopped their training programs. And after engaging with the public for these years in, in, in my writing and, and things like that, I knew what I wanted to do and I knew what I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to find um, a, a bank and, and be a tied advisor 
or go to an insurance company and be forced to do that. I, I felt like I'd, I'd already seen the light yes. <laughs> of independent financial planning. And I, was, I wasn't going to go through the, the trauma of a career change unless I was doing it right, if I was setting on the right journey. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I already knew what I didn't want to do. So I think that did make it harder. Um, and I, I went to an industry events and I eventually found a position um, as a as a financial planning apprentice, essentially doing a bit of everything just to, to get my foot in the door as I continue to pursue my um, diploma in financial planning. So you're a power planner and that brings us back to that singing power planner that I mentioned <laughs> earlier on. So how did you become the singing power planner? And what exactly is a singing power planner as well, opposed to a, a power planner that sings, of course? But <laughs> Well, I describe myself as that because um, during the day, I am I am a power planner, which um, helps financial advisors essentially um, do their job. I do the research and I write reports and is, is, is excellent training for my ultimate ambition, which is to become a financial planner. Mm. I have my diploma already, which is the minimum qualification required to be a financial planner. But I still felt like I needed to learn more. And I was very happy um, developing in that way as I continue to do the professional exams. And on the side, I'm um, a semi-professional singer. I like to I think of myself as I've I've always sung. It's one of been my one of my hobbies essentially mm-hmm. um, from growing up. And when I was going through all these um, this career change to move from my old career to financial planning, I knew that I'd have to take a, a step back on the on the income side. And I was happy to to give up the income because I felt like I was working towards my long-term goal of becoming a financial planner. Mm-hmm. But I did actually think about ways that I could earn extra money to top up my income and pay for all these exams. I was self-funding my diploma yeah. and the exams aren't cheap. And I felt like I didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't know anyone who was a financial advisor or could ask me questions. So I, I even paid um, for some coaching and some tutoring of, of some of these concepts um, as I was going through learning from the textbook. So I thought about ways that I can earn extra money and singing was one of them. So I auditioned to to join choirs that would pay me as an extra mm-hmm. and pay me to perform in concerts. And I have lots of friends who are musicians full time. And whilst I enjoy singing, it wasn't really what I wanted to do full time, but it was certainly something that I could do on the side uh, evenings and weekends. And I now sing in York Minster and Ripon Cathedral. And I have um, singing gigs as a, as, a, as a concert soloist as well. And that's just one of my big passions in life other, other than um, working in financial planning. So I thought as a, it's perfectly apt to describe me as a singing power planner. It's, I'm more than just the one side and, and power planning and singing are the, are the two main themes of my life. <laughs> Fantastic. And I'm just looking at your Twitter photograph now, and you've got the uh, black tie and the black dinner suit on. There's a sort of element of Pavarotti about you. I don't know whether that's intentional <laughs> or not, but that's that's what it suggests to me. And of course, not only have you created a blog, not only have you embarked upon a career to become a financial advisor, but you also ran an event 
called Money Life Live, didn't you? And yes. interestingly enough, quite a few of the people that spoke at Money Life Live have been guests on the podcast. So Chris Budd, Andy Hart, Maria Nadiva um, have all been on the Marketing and Finance podcast. So you certainly know how to choose really, really good speakers. But give me a little bit of background about Money Life Live and how that came about. Money Life Live came about... Um, in a dream, essentially, <laughs> I actually woke up. I woke up in the middle of the night and with the idea, well, with the domain name, essentially, Money Life Live. And one of the amazing things about technology is you can have an idea. And within moments, I was on my phone and buying the URL domain name of Money Life Live. And I, I was, I'd been doing a lot of writing online with Magical Penny and I'd been working in financial planning and speaking to clients who typically have quite a lot of money because that's the the main market mm. for financial planners. It's, it's people who have, maybe they're coming up to retirement or they're in retirement or they're, they've got a, a high flying career and they've got more money than they know what to do with essentially. Um, but I still was thinking back to my friends and family and all the people that I started writing to as uh, as my avatar essentially when i was started writing magical penny and i wanted to promote action i knew that how me attending live events like when i went to fincon that prompted me to stop reading about money and actually change careers and become a financial planner and meeting other people and as much as podcasts and books are brilliant at helping people learn about topics. We're still human beings, um, not just machines. And there's something special about in-person events and meeting mm. people in the flesh that inspires action and inspires change. So I decided I wanted to put on a, an event that would inspire people to to make a first step to in a way that maybe they hadn't done until they'd actually come and heard in the flesh how to do it and mm. they could ask questions and my ideas was why not just bring financial planners and financial advisors and and other people who aren't necessarily professionals in the financial planning space but they they've got interesting stories they've done something impactful through their money journey and i i was blessed to to know quite a lot of these people through through my websites and and blogging and different events i've been to so i just sent some emails out asking speakers to to come and i said i, I don't have a huge budget um i haven't done this before i know i'll learn a lot but it's, it's something i'm really passionate about and i think it's going to be a lot of fun so i reached out to yeah chris bud who who came to talk about financial well-being and his financial well-being book and and andy hart and and other people like maria um, maria nadeva who had paid off 120,000 pounds in 3 years that was her story and she wrote all about it in her blog the money principle and they all agreed to come and speak at this event um so all i needed to do now was market it and get people to to get bums on seats essentially and I must say um, it was more challenging than I thought it was going to be. I think that's the, the key theme for, for most things. If people knew how hard anything was, I don't think they'd do a lot of things. But I used my naivety um, to my advantage, essentially, to not let it stop me. And um, I promoted it on different blogs and guest posts and, um, and podcasts. Um, I didn't quite get onto this podcast. <laughs> Maybe I'd, I would have had more people if I'd if I had. But um, eventually on 
um, it was it was January last year that the event happened. I wanted to tie it into New Year resolutions, of course, and yeah. get people excited about about that. And I ended up having over twenty people travel from around the country. Actually, there was three people who drove up from Essex to to be with us, and I had yeah people from Cambridge and. Um, Oxford and Leeds and and it was based in York so I had a few York friends attend as well and they all paid paid money I didn't want it to be um, an event where people are skeptical and get sold to and there's upsells and everything like that I, I I came from it from a really pure place of just wanting to have an event have some fun and have people pay to learn and for the actual experience itself, not with the expectation that there was going to be anything else to, to do with it. And I made that clear to my speakers as well. Yeah, I think um, it was like the ethos of the of the blog in a way, wasn't it? You were in the same way as you're trying to make things simple in explaining investments and explaining finances within your blog. You're probably wanting to try and emulate the same thing in real life. And people don't want to come along to a seminar and effectively have somebody try to flog them a pension or flog them a unit trust. They just want to come along and learn and, and have things promoted to them, explained to them simply. Yes. And also, everyone comes at money at, at a different place. We're all on different um, levels. And I wanted that to be... Um, important in terms of the structure of the day. So I started the day with with talking about debt and uh, and money management because for a lot of people, just getting to the end of the month is the challenge, mm. and they haven't nobody they don't have spare money to invest or they don't think they do at least. So I wanted to get people talking about the, the start of that journey and how people can um, pay off debt and get excited about it and how it's not about depriving yourself; it's about um, empowering yourself. And then had. Chris talk about financial well-being because it's not just about accumulating numbers mindlessly or just as much as possible. It's about making sure it's meaningful to you. And then we did have some technical bits about pensions and investing and the stock market because that that's really important to me. And then a lot of people get excited about this and then realize that they don't have enough money to fund all these different goals they might have. So I also invited Emma Drew, who um, is, has been very successful in terms of... Um, developing ways to earn extra money mm-hmm. um, on the side um, from home-based businesses, um, reselling things, buying things in charity shops and selling them on eBay. Yes. <laughs> Just little simple ideas. And 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 I and I told my story about, I thought about ways that I could earn extra money when I was going through my career change, where what talents, what what things can you do on the side that you don't you don't really recognize that I have uh, one one blogger friend, she she um she pet sits. That's yes. something easy for if you like pets. And she's got a very busy schedule in the evenings, like <laughs> feeding cats, medicines and <laughs> and all sorts. It's not for me, but it's it's for for other people. And mm-hmm. I wanted to just inspire people to to think across the across the full gamut of um, investing and money topics from paying off debt, investing to making extra money. And I was really pleased to just bring it to real life because just as it did inspire me to go into these events to inspire me to take change. I had people emailing me and calling me after the event saying, I've just opened a pension for the first time and I never would have got round to it um, if I hadn't have been to this event. And I've just increased um, the amount that I'm investing. And I, and I didn't know I needed to invest in these places. And I didn't know, I didn't know what I didn't know essentially. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was just really happy to have that experience and 
um, and got to share it. And uh, it went well. Um, I haven't put on another event yet. <laughs> I'm still recovering, I suppose. It was uh, <laughs> it was a lot of effort. And uh, it is something I do see there's something I want to do in the future, but I'm giving myself a break and um, working on more financial qualifications at the moment <laughs> rather than putting on events. And maybe in the future, I'll revisit that. I think that it's probably something you should revisit because the basic concept of what you put together there was first class. And it's the sort of event that I think people would really enjoy coming to. And the the 20 or so people that did come obviously did enjoy it enough to take action. And if you can get people to come to an event and take action, then you know that it's been successful. And, you know, 20 people taking action is is very good. And I think that, unfortunately, arranging events is not easy. And if you're trying to juggle all sorts of different things and it's just yourself and you haven't got a team of people around you, arranging an event, even a small scale event, is hard work. You've got to market it, logistic, liaise with the speakers like you did and all of that sort of thing. So, you know, hats off to you, Adam. You managed to create something quite interesting and quite successful all on your own. Hopefully by the time you become a fully qualified financial advisor, maybe you'll have a little bit more... um, more of a team around you and if you think that it's something worth putting on again in the future and I really do think it it would be um, to build upon that idea then I think the second time you'll be able to pull in all those lessons that you learned from the first time and market it in a different way promote it on social media a bit more and possibly you'll have some client bank as well through your advisor firm as well to suck more people in that way well I just know that it's it's just the following through of a, of a crazy idea is is a win in, in itself. I knew that if not many people came, I was still learning and still, it was still a success in many different areas um, because I'd followed through and, and, and did something that people are going to remember. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that because we live in this world now where everything seems to be on, you know, it's so much easier to say, oh, I'll just do a podcast or I'll just record a video. And we do sometimes forget, I think, that human beings like to be in rooms with other human beings and <laughs> you know as you've as you've learned it it worked and you did as i come back to it again you got a number of people to take action and it's the action that people take as a result of going to an event that in my mind determines the success of an event like that so it's definitely something to to revisit again in the future adam it's been fantastic chatting to you the, this afternoon about all these really interesting concepts and interesting ideas that you've been running on and of course your um, journey towards becoming a financial advisor what would you say was the one big thing that you'd like the listeners of the marketing and finance podcast to take away from all the experiences you've had so far i'd probably tell them to believe in themselves i felt like I had this idea to become a financial advisor um, with no background, no experience really, apart from just a, a little bit of DIY investing. Mm-hmm. And I I just had this belief that I just knew I could make it happen. And <laughs> and it was very hard. And I've got, it It was a real, it really was a journey with the, with the whole ups and downs, but just trying to make progress each day, um, I think is something, and don't give up hope. And I'm sure everyone listening to this is, it's one of these motivated people who has all these these big plans and they might not always work out, but you know that you're working towards something that, that matters to you. And if, if, if I wasn't working towards something that matters to me, I wouldn't have continued. I would have stayed an, on the easier path. And um, I've only just achieved um, the, the salary level that I was in my old career, mm-hmm. in my new career. And I thought it would take me 
um, I thought I'd get there a lot sooner. And mm-hmm. but because I'm starting climbing the ladder that's going onto the the right place, I've managed to keep going. Fantastic. And of course, this is the marketing and finance podcast. So I also like to ask my guests if they've got an example of a, could be a marketing campaign or a product or something that's grabbed your attention recently that's made you really sit sit up and think, wow, I'd like to buy that or I'd like to go to that. Have you got an example you could share? I'm loving a a mobile phone app called Moneybox Mm -hmm. because it really gets people, it's it's an app that you can download and essentially it gamifies putting money into an ISA, (laughs) which you think is pretty boring in a way like, oh, who wants to save? But what happens is you get these notifications on your phone and it says, um, why not, um, why not just put in a fiver or put in uh, 10 pounds or whatever you want into the ISA as a kind of spontaneous thing. Everyone spontaneously spends money throughout the, the day or the week but who spontaneously saves? And I like how they've, they've gamified it. They've, they've got different risk profiles based on different animals. And it's just, just an interesting take on, on investing. It doesn't have to be researching for days on the best funds and the best places and waiting until you've got 500 pounds or a thousand pounds or whatever you've got to invest. You can, you can invest with really small amounts and do it spontaneously. So I think that's, it's really a fun way to get people introduced to investing and when people get more serious they can always transfer that out to a to a a a more legit or bigger provider if they want but i like that moneybox have have got a bit of a irreverent style and are getting people thinking about investing in a in a casual way that's actually doing them good in the long run i like that idea i like that idea and adam have you read any business books recently that you'd like to recommend to the listeners i'm not sure if it counts as a business book but um anything by carl richards Mm -hmm. um is excellent i'm sure many listeners have already um, read some of his books like the behavior gap i'm just i'm really interested in how human beings act and and think and and what causes us to do action just like when i mentioned about the, the 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 money box app changing our behavior through the app there's, there's so many things that change our behaviors. We're not rational. We don't do things that are good for us unless we have a push or a nudge or something interesting. And I think a lot of Carl Richards' writings um, get that. And you end up, once you spot that, you realize it in so many different ways and how you're not as in control as you think. And you need to kind of game the system to do things for for your greater good. Absolutely. I think we're all prone to these biases. I've not come across um, Carl himself, but I've read similar things about confirmation bias and all of those sort of things. And I think it's well worthwhile understanding sometimes how we are susceptible to these biases and to uh, moderate our our behavior uh, accordingly. Adam, I'm hoping that people listening to the show today are going to want to get in touch with you. So what is the best way that people should connect? Could be Twitter, your website how should they get in touch well magicalpenny.com is my main website and i'm on twitter at my name which is adam piplica and instagram and i haven't developed my social media that much but you can definitely find me there fantastic adam thanks once again for coming on the marketing and finance podcast it's been a really interesting conversation this afternoon let me wish you all the success for the future when you get that chartered status as a financial advisor and hopefully one time when i'm down in leeds we can maybe get together and have a beer or a coffee that sounds brilliant thanks bye thanks for listening to the marketing and finance podcast 
do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.